defensive quality control at Middle Tennessee State, graduate assistant at Arkansas State, assistant to the head coach in Indianapolis from 2018 to 2019, offensive quality control in Indianapolis in 2020, and assistant quarterbacks coach in Indianapolis from 2021 to present. You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to another edition of Huddle Up, a Colts football podcast. I cannot fucking believe that after we made fun of us for doing a Colts podcast, that here we are, a week later, doing another Colts football podcast. What else are we Ooh. supposed to? What, what else are we supposed to do, guys? Amazing. I mean, in my mind, I thought this morning. I thought, Tony, don't fucking talk about it. Just don't even talk about it at all. Let's not even bring up that Frank Wright got fired. And that Jeff Saturday is the head coach. And that this 30-year-old kid, Corey, was kind enough to read his resume for us. Let's just not even bring any of this shit up. Let's just talk about something happy. But no. That's not an option. Why is it not happy? You think it's happy? I'm asking you why it's not happy. It's not happy because here we are yet again talking about the Colts for probably a good 40 minutes here. I mean, let's just call this what it is. This is going to take the bulk of the show. I really thought we could get away from this. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I guess that's all that matters. I'm fucking happy. I'm happy to talk about the Colts. <laughs> Fuck you, Daniel. You're the one that's not happy. Why? I'm know. happy for the Colts. I really am. I like change when change is needed. Change was needed. Jeff Saturday is the change. So how are we going to, how are we going to peel this apart, guys? Let's start with, the decision to fire Frank Reich. I think we're all on the same page there. There's nothing more to go on. I, I will say, Corey. I, all I was going to say is, like, the after with this weekend's performance, after you just fired your offensive coordinator and then you went out and laid a fucking egg, yeah, it was time to go. And I think we were all kind of waiting for that notification on Monday, and it finally came, and it was like, all right. And then we got the other notification a couple hours later, and we were like, Whoa. <laughs> what are they doing? I, I that wasn't my thought. It was just surprised. I was really surprised. I, like literally, like the only way you would have said Jeff Saturday's name is like as a joke, and then yeah, it happened. Yeah. yeah, I don't think anybody was thinking that Jeff Saturday was going to be the head coach. Um, so first midseason firing in Ursay's career as an owner, I think it was warranted. Uh, I did see, so let's play devil's advocate. Tony Dungy came out today and said that he did not think it was warranted. We're still in the division. Yep, Tony Dungy said he would have got a hold of Jim and said, hang on to this thing and see what you've got. Uh, they're still in it. They're not a winning team. So everything I'm about to say, I'm like as not a fanboy as I've ever been in my life. But there are a few facts. And the facts are they're not out of reach of the division. Okay, let's, let's say some things. The Titans seem to be a much better football team. The Jaguars can beat the Colts almost any day of the week, it seems. So those things are true. The Colts did beat the Chiefs, but they've lost to much lesser opponents. So I'm just trying to look at the whole thing as it is. It's a very, very, very talented roster, specifically on the defensive side of things. And honestly, the offensive line is catching a lot of shit, and they should because they're the highest-paid offensive line in the league and one of the under, most underperforming. But it was just a year or two ago, guys, that they were the best offensive line in the league. And not a lot's changed. Anthony Costanzo's not there anymore. I think that's important for this offensive line. I think he was such an underrated player, even here in this house. I personally love Anthony Costanzo. But there are two people in this house, and the other one fucking hated his guts. <laughs> now, now you're like, I kind of wish that guy would have hung around. I kind of wish he was still here. I don't know how much a big, big difference that player makes. So... <laughs> I guess, what are your thoughts on, first of all, Tony Dungy saying, essentially, I don't have the quote, I'm not going to read the quote, but essentially, hang on, don't go down with the ship, see what you've got for the rest of this year, and then make a decision. Do you think it was right to fire midseason? 
I, I mean, like I said, after this weekend's performance and after he, the coach went and fired his OC, yeah, I mean, that's Frank Reich's offense. He's still been calling the plays. You know, there's been times when coaches are like, all right, I need to give up the play calling sheet to somebody else, see what happens. Well, that wasn't happening. He went the opposite direction, fired the offensive coordinator who wasn't calling the plays, and it got worse. So, uh, yeah, I think it was totally justified. I, at this point, there was no there was no upwards project trajectory for this offense. It was going, it was still going down. And I think you needed, you got to do something to try to send this offense in an upward trajectory. You know, a lot of people are saying they're tanking. I don't completely agree with that. I think they're still going to go out and try to win football games. You got to remember every player on this roster is fighting for a job. Every coach on this roster is fighting for a job. Um, But yeah, I think it was completely justified it the offense sucks it sucks daniel i mean i i might catch some grief for saying this but i actually don't think frank reich is a bad coach um you could argue against that because like what you're saying he had a pretty talented roster although depleted on offensive pieces um but I kind of feel like Ursay laying down the hammer and saying Matt Ryan is done the rest of the year was the beginning of the end for Frank Reich. And I, I, I don't think Frank wanted that because I think he kind of knew at that point, like, nope, here it is. This is going to be the end. Um, so, I mean, it was heading to a steep decline, though. I mean, they were losing games, but not only losing games, I mean, the game in New England was a just a pathetic effort all around. Just absolutely horrible. It was a team that has given up. Was it worse than the outing against the Broncos? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is the worst performance I've seen on TV in years. This was worse than their shutout week one, effort-wise. I mean, just no, non-existent effort on both sides of the ball. So... So then at I'll that challenge point, you. When a team yeah. when a team is at that point, a change needs to happen. Okay. So yes, I would have done the same thing and just fired him right there. Well, a couple of things came up. One was tanking. And you have to wonder, I have to wonder, when you hire a head coach, so you you fire okay, you've essentially fired the quarterback, the astronaut. And then by the way, in the press conference, Ursay said that we're, this is not difficult. We're not going to the moon. He literally said we're not building a space shuttle and going to Mars. Like, those were his words after, like, preseason calling Matt Ryan a fucking astronaut. Like, that actually happened. But anyway, that's not the point. He just, they just love space, dude. <laughs> that's not the point. But that, that it did happen. And that was really fucked up for him to say both those things. But anyway. Well, um, everything Jim Ursay says is like that. I do think that Jim Ursay talks in a, he paints with a very broad brush, talks with big language. Um, all I got to say is anytime he has a press conference, everybody makes sure they watch. Yes. <laughs> Lots of Col- content. The Colts punted eight times against the Patriots, and they punted five times against the Jags when they got shut out. Wow. Well, to tanking. I want to speak to that. So it looks like a tank. Hiring a coach with no experience, passing up. There are head coaches on the Colts coaching staff. Passed up all of them for an interim position to take a guy with no coaching experience at all. Uh High school coach. Now, yeah. Here's what I'll say. The thing about Jeff Saturday that I think needs to be front and center, and I think this is true for a lot of things. When you get into the highest levels of management, there's a saying out there that those who can do and those who don't teach, right, or who can't teach, and I think there is some truth in that. And there's no disrespect to Jeff Saturday. I think six-time Pro Bowler off the top of my head. I mean, the man did. For a very long time. His football IQ is, I would argue, like top 20% in all players and all staff. Like he is a very brilliant man who understands the game and who can read uh, offenses and defenses much like Peyton Manning could. I think that the part of the success the Colts had was because of the, the Peyton gets so much of the credit, but it was during that era, it was so many great players at the same time. And Jeff Saturday, being the center, 
was one of those very important, pivotal, great players. Uh, I think that's in re- I think that's very relevant. And the reason that I'm the point that I'm getting to is when you get to the highest level of management in any organization, whether it's I've never played football, whether it's football or whether it's a sales team or whether it's a Fortune 500 company, it doesn't make a fucking difference. Those people listen to the people around them and grow the grow the people. They're not they're not making these fucking decisions. They're not they're not involved in every detail of every part of, of the plan. I think that Jeff Saturday has shown real leadership throughout his experience in the NFL as the, the president of the NFLPA when that, that collective bargaining agreement that we thought was going to shut down the league got passed. Jeff Saturday is the reason that everybody came together to get it done. I'm not saying, so don't take the words out of my mouth here, I'm not saying the Colts are going to go on to be a winning team, and I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. But if they did... I wouldn't be completely shocked. That's what I'm trying to say. And the reason is because of the leadership at that level is so underrated. And I think that's why Frank failed, unfortunately, is, you, you know, when you don't hold a couple guys accountable, there becomes some bad feelings. And, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say that. Are you guys picking up this at all? Do you agree or disagree? Yeah. yeah. I'll stop rambling then. He's, I mean, he's a leader of men. That's what Ursay wanted. And like you said, Tony, you have the highest paid offensive line in the league. And uh, they, they just kind of need to regroup and get it together. And he played offensive line. So he's going to start up front and work on the trenches, which he knows the most. And that's how you control football games. So that was a yeah, long yeah. way for me to say, Corey, I'll, I'll stop. Go ahead. Um, you're mentioning the other head coaches. I don't I don't know what John Fox does for the Col- for the Colts. I don't. I didn't even know he was on the Colts. What what does he do? An advisor for the defensive side of things. Okay, so he's a defensive guy. So on Monday after they fired Frank, I was – I was just talking to some people around the office. I was like, I really hope it's Bubba Ventrone that they make the interim head coach. He's a special teams coach. Mainly because the defense isn't broke. You don't need to change anything on the defense, and that's where Gus Bradley is. And as I just found out, that's where John Fox is. So you don't want to take – you know, you don't want to move one of those guys to the head coaching position, change something on that end of the ball. So I, I completely understand that. Like the defense has played well uh, <clears throat> against the Patriots. You know, they, the Patriots had a defensive touchdown and a really short field on the block punt. So the defense has done their job. Um, I, I don't remember where I was going with the rest of it, but yeah, I, I Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's fresh eyes, right, in, in the building, and that's what you need right now because, uh, I mean, the offense has just been dog shit from the beginning except for that one week against the Jags. So I think fresh eyes in the building to take a look at this offense, take a look at this O-line, and like you said, Jeff Saturday's an offensive lineman. I mean, think about being Quentin Nelson with the, with the reputation you have, the standard that, you know, the media and the NFL has said, you know, Quentin Nelson's the best guard. He's the nastiest dude in the league. And right now you're playing like dog shit. And now Jeff Saturday, a Hall of Fame center is coming in the building. What are you going to do now? You know, how are you going to react? I, I I mean, from that standpoint, it makes sense. Corey, I, I think you closed up. I, looking back on it, rambled like I do some sometimes, sorry, uh, for a long time to get to the point you just made. And it's that the defensive side of the ball is not broken. It's the offense. It's all fucked up. Uh, Jeff Saturday's very trusted. I don't believe it's a tank move. I don't think it I is. I don't think so either. I, I, now, I think there are no expectations when you fire the the quarterback, when you fire the offensive coordinator, when you fire the head coach, and you bring in a guy with no coaching experience. There are no expectations. If, the, if this team doesn't win another football game, I won't be that surprised either. I mean, it's... it's- it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a tank move. It's a hey, we're done with this quarterback carousel bullshit, and we're we're moving on to the next thing. So it's we're gonna see what Sam Ellinger is. If he sucks, that's fine. We'll draft a QB. If he's great, that's fine. We'll keep him and keep a young quarterback that fits today's NFL. It's it's a change into the new. They're yeah the the Peyton era the luck era, and we're dealing with the this luck era bullshit. And this is the end of it. It, the new era starts now. It's what do we have in Sam Ellinger? If it's not him, it's somebody else. I see Daniel chomping at the bit. Go ahead. What is it, Daniel? No, I was just going to say, I, I think it's tank city in Indianapolis. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The second they decided, and it wasn't the fact that they benched Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger. It was the fact that they made the statement, regardless of what happens, Sam Ellinger is the starter the rest of the year. That to me 
was tank because it's something to say, Hey, Matt Ryan, you suck. Okay. Until you get, you know, get it together. You're benched. We need to see what we have in Sam Ellinger, but you're, you just committed nine weeks to a guy. You have no clue who it, who he is. Like it's something to like bench him for a game, two games. And then if he doesn't work out, go back to Matt Ryan, but they committed to Sam Ellinger the rest of the year. That told me that they're out. They have written off the year. And then the press conference uh, was probably the third or fourth question that came up. I was, I thought it would be the first one. Um, Third or fourth question came up. Who's the starter in Las Vegas? And Jeff Saturday was the first time he piped up. No, it was the second time. Uh, He said, Sam Ellinger will be the starter in, in Vegas and moving forward. He did say that. I think it could be a tank, but, but I think here's the second layer to the tank because just as I'm saying two things here, one, I wouldn't be surprised if, Saturday can just identify some issues, get the right people doing the right things, uh, and and win enough football games to not be a tank. I'm not saying this is this is no longer a Super Bowl team, so that shit is out the window, right? Like I'm not saying that anymore. Um, but to say the tank would mean we're chasing. We, I'm not a part of the Indianapolis Colts. We got work for them. Blah blah blah. You can say we. You're a Colts fan, Tony. You can say we. Um, it's, I don't. I don't believe it's a tank. I think more importantly, Jeff Saturday's trusted. He's respected. He's an analyst, which is important in the situation that we're in right now. What the fuck is going on with this organization? Why are they not winning games? They were supposed to be a Super Bowl contender two years in a row, and they have fallen flat on their faith face both times. I think to me that's the biggest thing. Ursay injected one of his guys into the top of this organization to say what the fuck is going on. And if anybody can point a finger at Ballard. It might be Jeff Saturday. I'm not so saying. Here's my, go ahead. Here's my question. Is Ballard next? I don't think Ballard's next. Dude, if I were Chris Ballard after last night's press conference, I'd wait a week and resign just because of how fucking awful Dude. it was. Like, he I was mean, so mad watching Ursay just ramble last night. But in my um, opinion, Ballard should be next. I don't. I'm, I'm, I disagree. I'm done with Ballard. I disagree. I'm done with Ballard. I like Ballard. I like him. That's fine to like him. Why, I mean, why do you dislike him? The conservativeness is just is driving me crazy year after year to watch the Colts. They have the highest, or I, I would say like probably top three highest cap salary in the entire league, but yet you never see them make a move for anybody. Okay. Colts don't sign anybody in free agency. They really just don't. They sit there every year. The Colts fans are like, who are we going to get? It's never going to fucking happen. Like with the, with Ballard. Okay. So there's that. They refuse to move up in drafts. The guy is so conservative, it drives me insane. You never see the Colts move up. Even if they love a guy, they'll sit and wait. They love Jonathan Taylor, and they love Michael Pittman. It worked out, okay? They luck out sometimes. But they love both of those guys, and they just sat there. Mm, And then they – I saw two drafts ago, okay, in the draft room. They loved a guy. But then it came up to their pick, and they're like, hey, guys – we have our guy here, but we were offered two seconds. Let's go ahead and move back. And so they just keep moving back in all these drafts. They never move up. They never go get guys. They never spend in free agency. And it, it just, what are they waiting to spend money on? I think. What are they, what are they waiting for? Okay. I, I mean, got, it's, it's I got, just philosophy. I got a couple of questions for you, Daniel. It's not working. I think you're going to be answered, able to answer them better than I would. And so I mean these as genuine questions. Okay. But I want to preface it with saying, I think you're forgetting about how bad Ryan Grigson was. I think you're forgetting about how terrible those years were with him making draft selections, trading away picks for guys like Trent Richardson. He left gaping holes in every part of this team. So I'll preface to me, it. he was trying. He was trying, though. But he was bad. So I'll preface it with that. And I'm going to ask okay. two things. So yeah. first of all, they traded up to get Jonathan Taylor. What, two picks? I mean, they traded up. They gave their pieces up. It was expensive. It was the early, it was early second round. And so I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not saying this as a dig. I, I'm, I'm really not. I'm really not saying that as a dig. Um, yeah. Because it wasn't early, early second round pick. Was he the second pick in the second round? I don't no, that was Michael Pittman. And then was the fourth pick? How did they, they took, do that? They took Michael Pittman 34 and Jonathan Taylor was a little later. Okay. I knew you would be able to answer the question better than me. And that's why I'm sincerely, I'm asking you with respect. I and mean, this is not a dig. Sure. Yeah. They didn't trade much. I'll say that. They didn't move up a lot. But yeah, go ahead. I guess I'm I guess I'm trying to figure out how to say that I 
don't disagree with, oh, here's the other question. Now I remember. I was, I was um, what's that thing politicians do where they talk for like five hours? Um, filibuster. Filibustering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a free agent player that makes a massive impact. Most of these guys, when you've got the cap money and you've got a player coming up on a contract, you, you pay him. You pay him and you keep him. So I'm trying yeah, to think so. of these free agent guys that would be impact players. He does it on the defensive side of ball. But on the, on the offensive side of the ball, it just doesn't come up as often. And when you have a free agent, I mean, fucking Will Fuller's a free agent. Odell Beckham's a free agent. I mean, I can think of some impact players that are not on teams at all right now that he could still go sign. Cole Beasley, he was a free agent. I mean, I'm really grasping at straws here trying to find who are the guys that you want Chris Ballard to go by because I think they sucked anyway. Yeah, and really, I'm, I'm just trying to think of a of a high quality free agent that somebody could go get. And it, it's escaping me, but look at all the teams that have made trades this year for high quality guys at a, at a position of need. Look at receiver, you know, you have AJ Brown, Tyree kill Devonte Adams. I mean, you, we know that wide receiver was, a, and, and I'm not saying go out and spend, you know, that kind of contract and those kind of picks to get those guys, but maybe, maybe the next tier, but they were, seriously going to go into the year and be a Super Bowl quote-unquote team with a number one and a rookie and then a bunch of question marks. I mean, you can't do that and expect results Corey, like they, like they did. Go ahead. Whoa. Pittman's played well. Al Pierce has popped. He has. And, and Paris Campbell's and arguably been well. the best receiver that we've had. And that's the most sad thing that we've said all night. But what, uh, what I'm getting at is he was right about his wide receiver group. It's the group that we didn't expect to fail is failing. And that's why we're at Jeff Saturday. Who would have thought? I mean, I, he, maybe he should have hung on to Glowinski. I mean, I, I wasn't happy when he I left. Would've. Yeah. Right. If that's it ain't a, that's drunk, an easy fix piece it. to keep. Right. But he let him go. May, but, I mean, everything else has been good up until now. And now... The Glowinski move, you're going to fire him off of one move? No. I mean, he made the Buckner move, which I was actually shocked about at the time, which was a great trade, actually, and just out of this world. Like, he never does that. He traded away a first-round pick for a super high-quality player like that. But that's what you need to do more of. Look at look at the impact DeForest Buckner has made on the Colts. I mean, there's some weeks where he is the best player on the entire team. You're right. And my argument to that, I think we're at the same, I think we're at least standing at the line looking each other in the face now, because my counter to that is if you do too much of that, what's his fucking name? I've already forgot his name. Like I try to forget his name. Ryan Grigson. You're going to get some wrong. You're going to get some wrong. Grigson got all of them wrong. Grigson got way more wrong than he got right. He was not, I'm not defending Grigson whatsoever. He was awful. Ballard is twice, three times the GM. That Grigson is. This is going to be so weak for me to say this, but think about, we played a couple of dynasty leagues together. Every year I think I'm going to win. Every fucking year I think I'm going to win. And every year. That's a natural natural thing. I think I have a real shot to win. And so I literally fucking trade all of my future picks. I'm staring down the barrel of three years of picks with no depth on my roster, with no way to recover. The only way that I can get out of this thing is to blow it up and admit I'm not going to win, to give up, to give up the, the opportunity to win. I don't know. I think fundamentally— I did that, I did that last year in the Huddle Up League, in, in our Huddle Up Dynasty League. I, I mortgaged my future for the now, and I won last year. It, it's luck a lot of times, too. Well, you, and, you never and know that's, what's going to happen. I was a fool to bring up fantasy football. It's a different thing. <laughs> it's totally, no, completely different. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a luck thing, but— Sometimes you don't know what these players are going to be until you put them in the position. That's true. So, I mean, you really never know, but you have to try. And I just feel like there's a lack of trying on his end of, like, going all in. I don't feel like he felt like he had a Super Bowl roster. Otherwise, he would have went more in to me. Kind of felt like he was sitting back and kind of being patient still, which is just annoying for a franchise, like a fan base with a franchise right on the edge of being something great. Yeah, I mean, his philosophy has always been built through the draft, and that's what he's hanging on to his cap for. It's, you know, when you do hit on these players in the draft like he has, and it's time for the contracts to renew, you're going to be able to, you're going to have the money to re-sign them and keep the team going. 
And I think, you know, that's why he likes all these picks. I mean, I'm just going through his picks right now. In 2018, he drafted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys. When you draft eleven guys, your odds of those picks hitting go up. Uh, seventh round, 235 overall, Zaire Franklin. I mean, there's there's guys Heck that of a pick. Yep. And Zaire Franklin may not be a star, but he's a starter that you're not having to pick up in free agency and pay big money. And what I think his strategy does long term is keeps you relevant, you know, for 10 years opposed to dumping it all right now. And then you're good for the next two, maybe three years. And then what? Um, so I, I, I can understand, like, not making the big moves, but the way he builds and the way he drafts works. I mean, he probably hits on 20 to 30% of his picks and by, you know, by hit, I mean, you got a, a starter out of it. I think it keeps you relevant longer term and keeps your window open opposed to put, putting it all in at once, which not everybody likes, but I like it. I like it. Theoretically, that's how you should build it. But when you've got a ton of money left and you're, you're facing like, Oh, this could be it. This this could this could be our year. You know, you, you want to go out and like make everybody feel better about it and make yourself like do a deal or two to suggest that too to the fan base. But you also thought you were going to be running for 150 yards a game with a solid line, and Matt Ryan was just going to fucking sit there and toss it to whoever he wanted to whenever he wanted to, and that just didn't happen. Okay, a couple things I want to address about Chris Ballard, and I want to move on. I want to point out a negative to Daniel's point. You sat on the money and then you went and paid a guy, Naeem Hines. What was it top five money, top 10 money? What was Naeem Hines' contract was ridiculous. Yeah, I, um, I, I liked it at the time. I supported it because he was special teams player. He was RB2. He was a weapon out of the slot. It hadn't been working. Here's one of the things that I like about him, about um, Chris Ballard specifically. When he makes a mistake, which he's done before, Carson Wentz, Naeem Hines, he fucking fixes it. And he got us out of that situation without anything to lose. We got a really late pick. It was free. We didn't get anything really of value, but it didn't hurt us. I appreciate that. I agree with what you're saying. If you're going to sit on the money, you're going to spend it. You need to, be, you need to get it right every time. I do, I do agree with that, Daniel. Um, personally, as a Colts fan, if, Frank, if Chris Ballard is not the GM of the Colts next year and we don't know who the coach is and we don't have a quarterback, I'm probably not renewing my season tickets. Like that's what it's going to take. Oh my gosh. I would be so excited moving forward. If you have a top three pick and the Colts get to start over, they have a new regime. They pick a quarterback in this quarter, like top heavy draft. And you have a mostly a team around you and you now get to develop this like high quality prospect. I I, I would be, I would be excited. It would be really would. It would be a conversation we would have at my house about whether or not we want to commit to every single home game for the rest of this, for the rest of the season. Um, I, 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 and Ballard, I trust. I'll tell you that much. And it's a blind faith. I, I agree with the, his methodology. Um, I know that not everybody does. And that's okay, too. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm not a, I'm not a Ballard guy. I, I like for when guys go for it. And they get them wrong every once in a while. But I just like, as a fan base, you want to feel like when these trade deadlines and free agents and, and things are happening like that something actually happens. I would like, like to see him go for it more. I agree with you there. I'll meet you there. Um, let's like, move. I'm talking about like with the Ravens, like they don't make huge, huge splashes really ever, but they did something uh, three years ago. They moved up in the draft, drafted Lamar Jackson, shocked everybody, changed their offense morphed it to him. And then in free agency, they do this thing where they wait for the first wave to be gone. And then the second wave, they make huge like signings that aren't as expensive. Like this year, they grab two guys on their defensive side that are making big impacts right now. You know, guys like that, that are on the second and third waves of free agency that I just don't see the Colts making, but it makes, it keeps me excited as a fan. Like, Oh, that's a, that's a big move. It it keeps it like keeps it churning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, Corey, anything to add on Ballard specifically? No, I like him. I wish he owned the Colts. I like the way he talks. I do like the way he talks. He He's said, smooth. didn't He's he smooth. Say, 
He said, you guys beat the fuck. What did he say? You guys beat the shit out of me for the last year and a half for not driving any wideouts, not drafting any wideouts, and now here we are with the best offensive line in football, and we can't make any plays. What did he say? What was it? Do you remember what he said? Some, yeah, some along those lines. Yeah, he's like, you guys are beating the piss out of me. We got a good wide receiver group after all. And come to find out, these people you love so much suck. I mean... I, I I like the way he speaks. Um, I, and that, He's it, very, very gentle. Like, when he does talk, which is very few and far between, he's very, like, genuine. Yeah. And he seems open. Like, obviously, he's keeping things, you know, tucked in, but he makes you believe, like, he's telling you the truth, and he seems yeah. genuine. I I, he, I love the way he carries himself. But. So, yeah, he, he better look out because he's got an owner that just shoots from the hip, baby. <laughs> that's what – I mean, that's what this team needs right, right now. Like – We've done just this quarterback carousel here of like, okay, I think we can make this work. Like, all right, it ain't working. We got to, we, I mean, something has to happen and it's happening. And we don't know. I mean, worst case scenario, Jeff Saturday shits the bed for the next eight weeks. They go 0 and 8 and he's gone. Boo hoo. Like, wh- whatever. Best, best, case, that's scenario, best case scenario. That's best case scenario right well, there. I want to, I want to propose, I want to propose, I'm going to pause this here. Ellinger's not the guy. I'm going to pause this here. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. No, we're going to, we're going to use this as a segue into, I want to control this here for a second. So there are two outcomes. First outcome, Jeff Saturday corrects the team and gets the offensive line back in shape. They're a competent football organization. They're still not winning a fucking Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. They may not be a playoff team, even if this team gets put back together. Worst case scenario, they're 0 and 8 and they have a very, very, very early pick at a quarterback. My question is, let's imagine I'm an optimist. I'm not actually an optimist, and I've tested as a pessimist, which is really weird because if you know me at all, like I'm like weirdly trusting, and but that's not important anyway. Um, <laughs> let's imagine we get the offensive line squared away. We have one of the best defenses in football, better than better than half. It's good enough for me. Uh, the wide receiver group is functional and just a couple of pieces away from being dominant um at that point can't we take some of this money and some of these picks and maybe go get a franchise quarterback does it have to yeah. be in the draft which way do you guys uh, no, think no, 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 so no, no, which which way that's what i want to talk to you about is look at the draft or look at the other way around it's, can it be it's safe gonna, it's gonna happen in the draft that's where it's gonna happen the ursay shooting from the hip right now he's going back to the draft uh i heard a report this week i don't know <clears throat> somebody quoted it of somebody else <clears throat> that was around the Colts organization that Ursay wanted to go back to the draft the year after Andrew Luck retired, and he wanted to get a quarterback there. They didn't do that. They got Phillip Rivers, and they thought that was going to be a two-year deal. He retired, and then they went on to Carson Wentz, blah, blah, blah. But Ursay wanted to go to the draft. Ursay's back in charge now. They're going to the draft. That's where they're getting the quarterback for the, fu- the, for the future. It's either going to be Elling or either – fucking slings his cock around everywhere the rest of the season and he is the guy or they're going to the draft <laughs> damn it yeah there's really only one option and and especially for the colts who have been burned three years in a row on free agent quarterbacks yeah, the free agent the veteran quarterback thing is over unless justin herbert requested trade out of los angeles that's the old. That's the only other scenario that happens. Which <laughs> gotta, gotta fit it in. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But that's the only other scenario. Yeah, it's gonna happen through the draft. Okay. And if you guys check the uh, Discord text channel, I put a little treat in there for you if you want to peek at it real quick. Oh boy! Wow. I think. I think. I think that's CJ Stroud. <laughs> you posted it and you don't even know, but his arms are so little. He's got little arms. Oh, oh, here you want, uh, who's the Alabama quarterback? Bryce Young. Here you go. Are you doing this right now? Are you Photoshopping this? I think I like, <laughs> I like that a little better. His arms. Oh, okay. Are... Tony, Tony. Okay. Okay. Listen to this. You just half made the decision to not re up your tickets as a Colts fan, okay, look at these two players. These are arguably the top two, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Look at those Colts jerseys. Look at them leading the charge. They're dual-threat quarterbacks. You're telling me with a new regime, new quarterback, you wouldn't be excited to go see them play. 
listen, when you say a new regime and a new quarterback, first of all, I think a new quarterback is essential. I don't want to get lost here. I'm not saying under any circumstances. I'm not saying under any circumstances that Sam Ellinger is the guy. I'm not He's saying not. that. Yeah. He's absolutely not. Another question before we we're about to wrap up here, but before we do, let's imagine a world where Jeff Saturday can get a hold of this offensive line coach and the rest of the offensive line, figure out what's going on and correct most of the problem. Is it worth talking about Matt Ryan more? The contract exists. I mean, we may still have a guy, but now, now having said that, I don't want to get too far gone from your question. These, these two players are very attractive. (laughs) And I don't mean that. Should I? I don't have to no. say. I can't. No, I can't. I can't say that. It's too late. Corey, um, snip that out right now. We're gonna use that forever. The um, the idea of what, what do you like are very attractive. You like their pants? Is I, it their pants? I hate the pants. The pants are white. I the like way the, the way they're. No, I'm talking about when they turn around. You like their butts? No, no. I, I wish they were wearing blue pants because I feel like when you wear actually. Um, I, I, okay, I'm not going to say what I was thinking, but you can see a lot in those pants. Anyway. Um, Hold on. I just recently found out that NFL football players don't wear cups. No, they don't wear anything. That's that's correct. Yeah. What? Dude, haven't you seen, if you're watching games, they get racked all the time. Like, they're just like, oh, God. Is that what it is? Yeah, like, I feel like I never see them get racked ever. Oh, that's because they're I fucking all we the time. Were, we were walking into Lucas Oil of three weeks ago and DeForest Buckner's on the side of that building. Yes. You <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You can see all of DeForest Buckner. You on, can see his dong. Okay. And really? 20 feet worth 20 feet. <laughs> it probably is 20 feet on the side of that building. Anyway, we got to get back to the point of order. And point so were you staring up like, no. Oh my God. <laughs> Melissa actually pointed it out, which made me feel fucking <laughs> inadequate. <laughs> anyway, that's not the point. Yes. Yes, both of those quarterbacks would be awesome. And I think, I think we have a major quarterback problem. Everybody knows that. We, I'm not a part of the Colts. I'm, not, blah, 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 I'm a fan. The, the Colts need to find a quarterback. I, I'm not convinced that it's not Matt Ryan. I'm, I'm definitely not convinced that it is anymore. Um, but I think the problems were were bigger than we thought they were. We thought it was just a quarterback. Clearly, it's more. Uh, Kennedy fixed? I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to add? I don't know. We don't know much about the play caller. We started with that. But this oh. he's an enigma. Like, nobody really knows anything about him. Hey, Tony, would you bet it gets fixed? Oh, my God. Best bets of the week! Yeah. Hold on one second. What do you mean? Hold What's on one park, second. Parks Frazier. Parks Frazier. You know, the word in the building is he's very knowledgeable about football. He's been around the game. You know, he, he kind of keeps everything organized for all the coaches. Okay. Okay. He's so a he, secretary. Understood. He's a secretary, but a secretary that knows his shit. I'm mean, also, and, that's very valuable. I'll tell you that much. For and by promoting the secretary that knows his shit, just to, all he has to do is call the plays. Like, I mean, I mean, the play sheet like shows you like when, what play to call, when to call it. I mean, there are, there are harder jobs, I'm sure, but we'll see what happens. All right, best bets of the week. Uh, this is the best segment. bets of the week. This is a segment where Daniel and I square off each week. We each pick four games. I pick the spreads. Daniel picks the over-unders. We've both been really hot as of late. Uh, so if you're going to strike, so, you know, if you want a little cash, now's the time because we're feeling it. Okay. Uh, I was 3-1. and one. Uh, I went 3-1, and 4-0, and 0-4, oh, and, and then I'm back to the 4-0 and oh this past week. So if you parlayed all my picks two out of the last three weeks, you hit, which is definitely some gains. Uh, I don't know if Daniel's went 4-0, oh, but if, yep. you, if you're betting last all his. Week, not, this, not this past week. Daniel's had a 4-0 oh week. You know, I've been 10-2 the last three weeks. Beautiful. That's what you, that's what we're here here to do. What's the records right now, Daniel? I am twenty three and thirteen, and Corey is twenty fifteen and one. Those are winning records, boys. And we're like, 
we're over the threshold at 500 where you're actually making money right now. So in the beginning of the year was dog shit. So you're really making some money right now. Uh, yeah. My first game of the week in the one o'clock. Oh, not in the one o'clock window. It's in the Sunday, 931 a.m. window. Oh, is that Germany this week? That's Germany. Yeah. yeah first yeah. ever NFL Ooh. game in Germany. Uh, I didn't think about that when I picked this game, but let's just say it doesn't matter. Seahawks at Tampa. Tampa's favored by two and a half. I'm taking the Seahawks because the Seahawks, I think, are a legit football team. I think they've looked better than the Buccaneers. I think Pete Carroll uh, did not get enough credit for the past 10 years with Russell Wilson. Uh, I think he's a hell of a football coach. I love what he's doing with Geno Smith right now. They're playing hard. They're winning football games. Give me the Seahawks plus two and a half at Tampa in Germany. Okay, good, good. Now, wait, I've got a question for you, and you're locked in here by the end of the show. You can still change it now, but by the end of the show, you're, you're definitely locked in. Let's say, just for the sake of people listening, um, Jesus, Kenneth Walker doesn't have a passport. Let's say he's not in Germany. That's a real thing right now. Did you guys hear about this? Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. He, as of, like, earlier this week, was not able to go to Germany. And I like people with a lot of money can make some shit happen. So let's assume he's going to be there. But if Kenneth Walker, let's assume, let's assume he's not there. The money you're going to bet on the game for the Seahawks, double it and bet it again. <laughs> there you go. Okay, go ahead. Next. They're better without him. That's what I just heard. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, my first game, actually all mine are one o'clock. So we'll, we'll see how I do uh, early on Sunday. Um, I have been betting the over on all Miami dolphins games for like four straight weeks. And I've hit them every time because they are a scoring machine and have a horrible defense. that could be scored upon. Hey, hold um, up, hold up, hold up to a boys to a, to a, okay. Okay. You were hey. right. To, uh, you give I'll that guy this. a fucking scheme? Let's go. Have you watched, Corey? Have you watched him? I watched him sling it. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, I just feel like they're winning in spite of him right now. Do you but, remember oh, stop, Do you dude. remember when Corey said that Tua was like the guy and like he was the one we could trust? Uh, I just yeah. want to remind everybody that Corey also said this. Justin Herbert has the best hair in the NFL. That's all right. That's some false headline shit, but all I got to say is you put Justin Fields in that lineup and he could chuck the ball like 15 yards deeper. I disagree. I disagree. I think Justin Fields misses some blatantly open receivers. Oh, he does. But Tua does too. Tua underthrows Tyreek on every single ball that he throws him. That's okay. more than 15 yards down the field. Do you want and a whole nother segment? Or are you going to tell me your fucking bet? Justin Fields would overthrow him every time. I'm just glad Tyreek is a freak athlete, and so is Jalen Waddle, um, so they can catch up to two of his underthrown balls. Anyway, uh, Browns at Miami. Just just take the over. Don't even think about it. It's only 48 and a half. It's not even that high. But the Browns can put up some points, even with Jacoby. They're ramping up. The, the Dolphins just can't stop anybody. Um, hell, the Bears and Dolphins, I mean, God, what they put up 70 points this past week. I mean, it's just – it's. It's stupid right now. So just just take the over on Dolphins games until they don't hit. Um, but Browns, they have Mari Cooper, Nick Chubb. They've got some firepower on their offense too. So um, And they can be beat on defense as the Bengals showed us. Not to but slow yeah. this down too much, but Corey, I think the Dolphins were, I think the first year you and I did the podcast, you kept hammering the Dolphins. They sucked. He did. Yep. And you they hammered. were covering spreads like they, crazy. They were getting points every week, and he was always taking the points. Yeah. I guess I'm but always. This week. But this week, I'm taking the Browns plus three and a half. Even better. Perfect segue. Just, I mean, just because they, they can both put up points, I think the Browns just, they know, they win dirty. The Browns win dirty. The The Dolphins are due for a loss. I mean, the, the Dolphins are really good. They're, they're like top-tier offense, like top three right now, Buffalo, Chiefs, Dolphins. But they're just, you know, they're still growing a little bit. You know, they're, they're going to they're gonna lose a game every now and then. Give the Bears me, came me. within three. Huh? The Bears almost beat them. Who? This was a close game. Bears-Browns? Oh, no. Bears-Dolphins. Yeah, this past week. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Corey wasn't watching, confirmed. <laughs> I was watching Red Zone. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. The, There's a lot was, going on. I was feeding the baby and all kinds of things. Uh, Browns plus three and a half at the Dolphins. 
Boom. Um, Broncos at Titans. Snooze fest of the week. Absolutely. Um, the over-under is 38 and a half. I am taking the under. I mean, we know we know who the Broncos are, and we know who the Malik Willis-led Titans are. Pretty boring. And the Broncos might be one of the only teams, even after losing Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins, that can slow Derrick Henry down to only get like 280 yards in a game. <laughs> so if, uh, if that happens... Denver doesn't have the 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 firepower and the dull, and, the, and the Titans actually have a pretty underrated defense. So this is two good defenses, two bad offenses. That spells under to me. Take the under. Uh, I was just looking at my picks here. I I picked the Texans plus six and a half at the Giants. Uh, you don't sound very Giants confident. Have, well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I picked it. So, dude, at this point, I mean, this is how I've been picking my games, boys. You just. You just got to look at it and see it and pick it. And I still feel like the Giants might be fooling us a little bit. I mean, I know they burned me a few weeks here, but just just hammer it. You just, just got to you look at these lines and you pick them and click them and bet it. <laughs> the money you're betting on, on Seattle before you bet Kenneth Walker, or Kenneth Walker doesn't have a passport, you doubled that, double that, and put it on the Texans plus six and a half of the Giants. I will say this. The Texans kept it close with the Eagles last week, which no one expected. So Nobody this could be, coming. yeah, this, this could be a sneaky game. But, hey, the Texans keep it close. I mean, that's just what they do. Yep. Um, Lions go into Chicago. So this is a this is a divisional matchup, so we really never know what's going to happen. But also a team that I'm always picking the over on until they prove me otherwise is the Lions. The Lions and the Dolphins are the teams that have enough firepower on offense and have just a horrible enough defense to where they give up a bunch of points. And Justin Fields is surging. They figured out how to uh, morph this offense around him. He just set the... A uh, single game rushing record in the history of the NFL for a game for a quarterback. That is insane. So they're going to keep that recipe going. Chase Claypool will get uh, more acclimated into the offense. Uh, two good running backs. I think Detroit and the Bears. It's not even, again, it's not a high over under. 48 and a half. Uh, take, take the over on that. It's in Chicago. Um, so it's going to be running game both ways. But both teams have enough firepower on offense to get this done. I like that we've entered back into an era mm-hmm. where, like, we give these quarterbacks a chance. Like, you know, five, I feel like five to ten years ago, if Josh Allen plopped into the NFL after a season, he's gone. But now, we, you know, we're giving these quarterbacks two to three years to figure their shit out. Daniel Jones is an example. Daniel Jones has finally, you know, shown that he can win some football games. Uh, same thing here with Justin Fields. I, you know, I could have... I personally was probably out on him after a season just because I didn't like him out of college, blah, blah, blah. Daniel's right. He's coming into his own. They're figuring it out. They're figuring out what works for him, which is very important. Um, I've also, I've got the Bears minus three against the Lions. The Lions just beat the Packers. Um, I think that might have been one of my bets of the week. I don't remember. I think it was. But the yeah, Lions that was, are. That was one. You, you got that one. They're not a good football team, but the, the Bears are in stride right now. Uh, and after the Lions come out, you know, a bad football team just beat a really good football team, they might be chillaxing a little bit. Like, they're not really going anywhere this season. Uh, you just got a big win. You're like, all right, we got a, we, we got a week to breathe here. And at the same time, the Bears are rolling. Uh, give me the Bears minus three and a half at home versus the Lions. Yeah, those pass catching options on Chicago are getting exciting again. Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. So uh, can't wait. Uh, the last one of the week, Jacksonville goes into Kansas City. Um, this is the highest over under the week, and I really couldn't believe it. Um, I know Kansas City is capable of anything. They are the best offense in the league, and Jacksonville's defense is not that strong. But this over-under suggests that Jacksonville is going to stay in this game. I don't know if I see that happening. Um, Trevor Lawrence has kind of regressed as the year has gone on. He started off super hot, and everyone was like, 
Oh my gosh, look, Urban Meyer is a horrible coach. Look at how good Trevor Lawrence is. And then now he's kind of coasting into extreme like mediocrity. Um, but I, I will say Travis Etienne is the variable of this offense. But I just if they shut down Travis Etienne, to me, they, they beat the Jaguars by a lot. And I don't know if the Jaguars can keep up. So 50 and a half, I do not like this over-under. I am taking the under. So two overs and two unders for me this week. I almost took the Chiefs uh, spread. What's the spread? Uh, nine and a half, I want to say. Where's it at? Yeah, so Vegas doesn't think it's going to be close. They just think it's going to be high scoring then. Maybe they think the yeah. Chiefs are going to just demolish them. I don't know. Yeah, I, I almost took Chiefs nine and a half. I did, the, uh, Trevor Lawrence, is he's just so unpredictable. Some weeks he's really good. Some weeks he's really bad. Like Their offense can put up points, but at the same time, they kind of suck. I, but Yeah. I could see this being like a 38 to 28 game and them covering the spread. Oh, oh, I would hate that. (laughs) Wait, did you pick the over or the under? I picked the under. Oh, I thought you picked the over. (laughs) The the problem is if the Chiefs score 38, it's probably going to hit the over. Yeah. So is that it? You got all of yours, Corey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my three, I did did take three. I joked before the show that I wouldn't do it, but I am doing it anyway. Um, I took Daniels over 48 and a half Miami Cleveland. I think that's the bet of the week. I think that's the easiest one of them all. Uh, Miami's bet. Miami's going over on every. I mean, they have in four straight weeks. Cleveland plus three and a half. I think it's a close game. Uh, And that's the bet that I think could burn me the most. Detroit and Chicago over 48 and a half. I like that bet also. Uh, the Cleveland bet, I wanted to pick one of Corey's. And quite frankly, every time I pick multiple of Daniels, I get burned. So I wanted to take at least one of Corey's. Oh, wow. How about that? Thank, uh, thanks. But I, I am skeptical, Corey. You have had success. So I won't say anything. But I'm, those, are, those are the three I'm taking. The odds were plus like 585. And there you have it. Anybody else? You're not going to do a fourth one? No, I did three. Right. I've, been, I've been doing three. Yeah, I think four's a little bold. I've been doing you know, three. We, you know, we, we, do the, we do the betting segment, but I think we like to promote, you know, conservative betting. You know, I, I, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has a guy at work that's like, oh, man, I missed my parlay by one, my one leg, my, my 10 leg parlay. It's like, yeah, that, you're never going to hit that fucking parlay, bro. You might hit one a season. One. Why don't yeah, just well, just... We used to work with a guy that like made 180 grand in one year from betting. So, well, that's that guy's got some luck. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, he was he was in the Powerball pool this week, and I was like, all right, we oh, got this boy, one bag. It's over. It's over. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm more of a concern. I like to, you know, the small gains. Like, you know, pick four games, you hit two, three of them. You know, you're you're not losing your ass. So, don't make the parlays too big. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy, pal. Anybody else? (laughs) Nope. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three, three. If you're going to make a big parlay, do it like a 50 center and pick every game of the week and just do it once a week, every week. Or you do it like a, like a Powerball card. Just pick the same, like go left, right, left, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, right. Just do that every week. And I think, you know, just do 50 cents. And then one week over the next five years, you might make 35 grand.